coming up on Entertainingly Educational. Um, I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to cheat on tests. <laughs> and it's a learning sign language is a great way to cheat on tests, boys and girls. So I was in seventh grade and that was, so I was like, what, 12 in seventh grade and, you know, full, full blown rebellious preteen. And I just wasn't really into school. And my friend was very smart and willing to share. And I said, um, Megan, guess what we're going to learn today? We're going to learn your ABCs and numbers. And so I would sign, what's the answer to number four? And she would go B <laughs> and I would circle B and uh, it was a good system. episode of entertainingly educational i have meredith hackwith edwards a very long name with long names within the name meredith said if you say it too fast people think you're sneezing that's kind of how this podcast went it was great it was a good time it was funny meredith is a character she is a fellow podcaster she has the meredith for real podcast the curious introvert i messed that up during the episode too i called her the introverted extrovert i believe and that's not right just the curious introvert her followers are the curiositors which is a very hard word for somebody with a southern drawl to say on this episode we talk about her learning sign language and why, how she got proficient at it, how she sold Mary Kay and was going into people's homes, why she started her podcast. We talked about the Hispanic culture and both of one of what came to be a favorite of ours, the Persian culture and food. It was really all over the place, which is what I expected. Uh, we're both a little bit feathers in the wind. Her podcast is not niche-driven. It's not topic-driven. She has a bunch of different people on there. She calls herself a people collector. Kind of sounds like a serial killer, but this is in the sense of a podcast host. We had a good time. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. The information to, to follow her podcast and reach out to her will be in the show notes. Look, if you all have any feedback for me, or if you have anybody you want me to get on the podcast, message me. And, and that'll be down there in the show notes as well. Y'all enjoy this episode. I, I had a good time recording it. Let's roll. Welcome to Entertainingly Educational. And for this episode, we have, I'm super stoked to have this guest on for this episode. We got Meredith Hackward Edwards. And that's a lot of vowels for a country person <laughs> to say. Same thing with the with this podcast name, Entertainingly Educational. I don't know what dummy came up with the, all those E's in there to say with a Southern draw, but here we are. But Meredith, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I love some alliteration. Entertainingly Educational, you know, I can't really claim the alliteration, but mine does sound like a sneeze. Meredith Hackwith. Edwards, you know, people, I say it too fast. People are like, oh, Gesundheit. I'm like, nah, yeah, it's just bullshit. my name. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm the only one. So I keep it, even though it's like, you can't say it with any food in your mouth. You got to be like, you know, prim and proper to get it all out. But 
you know, it's you, unique. You got to practice it a couple times, take a deep breath. Uh-huh. And make sure your lips are moving. That's hard for a southerner is to, is to talk with and move their lips at the same time. <laughs> it's hard for anyone whose uh first language is not English, I have found. They're, you know, <laughs> so I have I have some different nicknames depending on what your first language is. So it's you know, like a shorter, easier version. So that way you're not uh, you know, just not wanting to talk to me, basically. <laughs> there we go. Meredith has a podcast and I love it. I found her through a podcasting about or a podcast about podcasting, the uh, podcast business school podcast. And hers is Meredith for real. And as she described it, she can correct me if I'm wrong. It's a variety podcast. So it's not, there's no niche. It's not topic driven. It's a different conversation with a different person, every episode. And it really is educational. You have some really cool, guests with really really awesome stories on there and you don't lie you really so liked well. the circumcised uh circumcision one that came out this week <laughs> that was what <laughs> well that was the nail in the coffin you're like yes i must have this lady on my show <laughs> look if y'all had just go listen meredith for real on all the po podcast platforms go listen to the most recent one they talk about uh circumcision and uh, I, I I sent her a message. So I feel like I've uh, I've been a part of the Spanish Inquisition after listening to that episode. <laughs> I mean, it is educational. Yeah, I would say I would describe the show as a um, a social science show because that's really the the umbrella that it lives under. And the idea is more curiosity, less canceling, exploring nuance through. Um, the lens of, you know, paradoxical people. So half of the episodes are with paradoxical people, people that um, have aspects of their lives that really shouldn't go together, but yet they are a thing, you know, like the atheist doctor who studied near-death experiences for 50 years, that should not be a thing, but it is. And so it's like, instead of trying to put him in a box, seeing him as a whole person and learning about something that maybe you uh, would brush off because you're like, oh, that's, you know, for those people, that's not for me. And then the other half of it is asking questions that might be taboo in nature, maybe questions you think to yourself, but you never mm -hmm. ask, like, how do I know if I'm an alcoholic? <laughs> you know, so I bring in an expert and, you know, and then we, we ask the questions out loud that people think in private. I was going to say that you, you tap into a lot of taboo topics and y'all dive into them and and you do ask some hard questions and the people you have on are really good at answering them it's it's, it's really cool how you're able to get those people who are so good to really dive into the technical aspect of whatever topic you're talking about and get them on a podcast like it's yeah. hard to get to get people that can talk technically especially in a science realm if you're talking about that on a podcast and they talk like a real person, right? They're they're not they're not talking above the average person with with uh, terms that we wouldn't know, or you know, science terms or math terms. It's it's interesting how you get those people who are really well or really articulate in the when you have them on the podcast. Yeah, they're they're fun. I I think I've been lucky a little bit but i'm also pretty persistent and i'm kind of picky also so i think all those things together are working for me i um my secret sauce is finding guests on netflix so mm. while i'm watching netflix i i just love documentaries and so 
um, my husband does too, thankfully. And um, so we'll be watching a documentary and he, he always, he knows now he's, if I'm like, pause it, he knows I'm about to grab my phone, mm -hmm. write down the person's name. And then I email it to myself. And because when they're, you're watching a documentary on Netflix, they usually quote a few experts. Their name is at the bottom of the screen. So they are credible enough for Netflix to feature, but usually not blockaded by layers of like PR people. Mm. So they're usually accessible. And after the Netflix show, you know, episode comes out, they usually expect some sort of something anyway, I imagine. So that's been really fun. The future of, did you, have you seen that on Netflix? I haven't. I don't know. It's, I really like it. Um, it just proposes scenarios in the future, like reality in the future. And I've found a few guests from that one series on topics like you know digital graves instead of real graves and um there was another one about language where i found a guy to talk about the history of cuss words which was so much fun uh, yeah i've got that one in the queue i haven't made it to that one but it's in my saved list to listen to yeah that one i mean that topic in general if you just um ever use google podcast and type in the history of curse words there's so many good episodes out there about it um it's just fascinating it makes you realize like how made up our society is you know it's like it's like if it offends you then you know you just get you know move on because it's made up because back in the day a really offensive phrase was by the fingernail of god like okay well that's ridiculous so why you know why let something modern like the modern version of that offend you if the fingernail of god doesn't or yelling tabernacle like in french that's the worst cuss word is tabernacle what <laughs> so it's i it, don't know it, it kind of takes the sting out of you know being so easily offended i think I, you know i always wonder in historical movies right and they're movies so they're always loosely based on historical fact but when they say the cuss word the fuck when they say mm -hmm. fuck, i'm like when did that cuss word come around maybe y'all talked yeah, about that in that we episode did. but like so like when did that come around because i'm i'm not sure that was back in you know when 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 the explorers made it to america they were running around throwing that term around they were and that's what i was surprised <laughs> about too because i was okay. like that be modern that mm -hmm. has to be and no it, it's uh it's actually like really old and it used to be more accepted like um you'll have to look that up to fact check me but i want to say in greek times it was like like damn you know uh -huh. like they'd stub their foot and they'd be like fuck and then it was no big deal like that was you know little johnny was yelling that when he dropped his crayon or something <laughs> his little greek crayon <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> definitely fact check me. <laughs> I'm going left field here with the crayons. <laughs> Ain't nobody fact checking on entertainingly educational. That's why entertaining <laughs> is first. <laughs> Roger that. first entertaining and the okay. second is educational. And so, you Perfect. know, you know, being educational is what you take for it. So, okay. Well, look, what I, what is the journey that has brought you here to where we are today? What does that look like? Cause you, you do, you have your podcast, you do some other things in life. What is the journey that's brought you here today? Well, basically, Paul, I'm lost. <laughs> and I'm lost in apparently 
the right direction. So I'm not mad about it, but um, I was born in a dingy hospital in Omaha, Nebraska in a year that shall not be named. Um, and uh, yeah, I grew up there. My family is, uh, I like to say I'm bi-regional. I'm half Southern, half Midwestern. So okay. um, my, you know, I grew up eating um, black eyed peas and like that all that stuff uh i thought everyone did which is kind of funny i didn't realize till i was like 22 that not everyone ate certain foods and i was like oh you don't eat cottage cheese with orange slices weird you know or like whatever weird southern thing that i got from my southern grandmother <laughs> you know um yeah so uh we would always visit here uh here being pensacola florida and then when I was um, 27, I decided to move here. And um, that has been one of the best decisions that I could have made ever. Um, so before, while I was in Nebraska, I was a sign language interpreter. I worked at a Chinese restaurant, worked at a call center. Um, I started a Mary Kay business and I did that for 17 years, earned the use of three Mary Kay cars. So that was kind of like my growing up career, you know, um, that was my like full-time thing for most of the, that time. And uh, that it was good for me. It was, it was a lot of um, just learning how to talk to people and mm -hmm. um, learning how to listen to people and learning how to motivate myself and set goals and, you know, things that you, you could probably learn in other ways, but it was a good way for me to learn it. And that's kind of how I got into podcasting is I felt that season of life coming to a close. And then I, um, you know, I was just kind of uh, observing about myself, what I loved about what I was doing, what I didn't love. And I got most fired up about the, the, the anthropological part of sales, which sound it's so nerdy, it's so nerdy, but you know, I am who I am. So I loved going into someone's home and learning about their life and learning who they were because you know when a woman takes off her makeup she's just like telling you all kinds of things and so <laughs> i would build rapport very quickly with these folks and that was kind of like my superpower and um you know just really connect with them and then i began listening to podcasts got into interview podcasts and then realized there were some similarities with the host of interview podcast and kind of what i did at a kitchen table in a stranger's house and i thought oh i bet i bet i could do that and then no lie i don't know a few days later i think it was my husband came home and said you know what you'd be good at you'd be a good podcaster and i was like okay that was weird and then a few days after that on Facebook, um, I saw an event called Principles of Podcasting, Free Lunch and Learn in Pensacola, Florida. And I was like, that's weird because this is a small town and there's a free thing about podcasting. So I attended and um, learned that the part that intimidates me, which is the tech part, you can hire people for. And just right away, my husband's like, yes let's do this. And I thought, are you sure? Like, you know, that involves writing a check, right? And then a week later, a thousand dollars in podcasting equipment showed up on the front door from Amazon. <laughs> no, because I hired people to do that. So I literally was completely <laughs> dependent on these folks. Um, but I did after the pandemic began, I did order my first, you know, audio equipment and then Later, my camera guy moved on, and so I ordered my own camera equipment because it's on YouTube as well. But um, that was kind of how I got started. And when I began, we pressed record. I didn't know what 
the podcast would even be about. I just knew that I was going in the right direction and I attribute it to the did you ever play this game when you were a kid like you would close your eyes and then your friend would pick an object in the room and then you would kind of walk forward and they would <clears throat> excuse me they would go okay you're getting you're getting warmer you'd go the wrong direction they go oh you're cold you're cold and then you'd go the other direction okay you're hot you're hot right do you know what I'm talking about yes. just me yeah but uh, we <laughs> we me and my friends did that and typically it was outside and it was something that we could throw at them and then they had to oh, figure out what okay. it was so it was right. a little more uh a <laughs> little, little more, <laughs> more dangerous you might say yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely more interactive <laughs> what i let's let's back up for a second you were a sign language interpreter so are, i was or are, are you fluent in sign language i'm really rusty um a deaf woman started going to my gym and so you know i'm now very aware of how rusty i am it's not not up to speed. She was very kind, of course, but I'm better if I don't try to talk while I sign. I was never good at that. It was like either I think in sign language or I'm thinking in English. There's no like doing it at the same time. What 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 got you into being proficient enough in sign language <clears throat> that you were interpreter? Um, I wanted to <clears throat> I wanted to cheat on tests. <laughs> And it's a learning sign language is a great way to cheat on tests, boys and girls. So I was in seventh grade and that so I was like, what, 12 in seventh grade and, you know, full, full blown rebellious preteen. Mm. And I just wasn't really into school. And my friend was very smart and willing to share. And I said, oh, Megan, guess what we're going to learn today? We're going to learn your ABCs and numbers. And so I would sign, what's the answer to number four? And she would go B. <laughs> and I would circle B. And uh, it was a good system. And then I started going to church and saw the sign language interpreters at the mm -hmm. church because there was uh, deaf families that went there and uh, eventually I did stop cheating and traded that for um, you know learning sign language in a church setting and uh, started interpreting at church and um, but I didn't start interpreting at church until I went to high school and met like there was like three deaf girls at high school which mm -hmm. is really unusual most deaf kids who are born deaf are usually boys for some reason <clears throat> and our school some for some reason had like a handful of deaf women. And so, yeah, so we hung out. I invited him to church. We're sitting shoulder to shoulder, listening to the youth pastor. And she looks at me and she elbows me hard. And I'm like, what? And she goes, uh, are you going to interpret? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I just expected the Holy Spirit to talk to you. I don't know what. <laughs> so I, I got a chair and I sat in front of her and was interpreting and her face, she was like, you're literally saying every fourth word, I think, because this makes no <laughs> sense. And so it got, it was really bad. And then it got better. And I just sort of learned it out of necessity because she wanted to uh -huh. keep coming to church with me. And um, so then I eventually took a class at church, got, got pretty good. People would like, deaf people were like, are you deaf? They wouldn't know if I was deaf or hearing. Uh -huh. And got quast certified through the state of Nebraska and became an interpreter at like 18 years old in doctor's offices. And um, that was horrifying. And um, yeah, I didn't love that. So uh, that was my, that's how it happened. That's got to be, so in, interpreting sign language, 
you're you're signing what someone else is saying and i i relate that to people who take a historical document right because we have all these historical documents that over time have been translated into different um um i'm gonna brain fart but you know different languages here we go get it out in a minute <laughs> and we lose you lose some of the authenticity of that oh yeah thinking about because i you know i've been a part of some stuff where people have done it we see it all the time now where they're interpreting it's got to be really difficult interpreting what someone else is saying uh-huh. and you're trying to interpret it at the same time and be able to relate uh their passion of how they're talking and the ups and downs of their voice and you know, being able to do that's very interesting. That's, that's got to be very hard than just signing something that you're saying. I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was hard. I think it was just um, came really naturally to me because I'm an animated person. The way that I speak naturally is pretty animated. Yeah, with my hands. hands I mean, I just bumped my mic like four times already. Uh, yeah. So I think it came really naturally to me because in American Sign Language, grammar is done in the face. And so if your mm. facial expressions are flat, you're actually not signing things correctly. Or mm. it could be argued you're signing them with a heavy accent and uh yeah I was always just really expressive and I'm also uh like a little sponge when it comes to languages um so I was able to pick it up really easily and um you know just um you know kind of go with the flow as far as what was being trying to be communicated but you're right about it does it's not the same because when you learn how a language is structured you learn something about the culture. And that's why I encourage people to, if you're going to visit somewhere, just learn a little bit, just see what, you know, watch a YouTube video, do something, um, because it can unlock an aspect of that culture that you didn't know. So I'm trying to think of an example in sign language. The, the example I can think of is kind of a general one, but there's lots of signs that are pretty graphic right? So like, fuck you is two people like that. Uh And so you slam your two peace sign fingers together in a violent way. And that's, and then you do it towards the person. Uh (laughs) So it's like, fuck you. Um, That tells you a lot about the culture. Like it's very graphic. And when you sign, when you explain a, a childbirth, you literally are explaining like the graphic aspects it visually of that birth. So what that tells you about deaf culture is that it is very straightforward. It's very blunt mm-hmm. and it's pretty much oversharing times of school again. So, and then Spanish and Spanish is interesting too, because you learn like, like if, if um, someone is like a good for nothing person, you would say no serve por nada. Like they don't serve anyone. And so that tells you that service or servitude in Latin culture is respectable and honored. Mm -hmm. And you would miss that if you just interpreted that as like, oh, they're good for nothing. That's that's very interesting and very enlightening. And you also uh, apparently sound like you're fluent in Spanish as well. I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I do speak pretty good conversational Spanish. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you know all the cuss words. I don't. I, that's the funny thing. Like, I know. That's usually where everybody starts, right? Tell me all the oh, cuss words and I then know. we'll pick up everything else from there. No, I I know a lot of makeup words. 
And um, yeah, I, I don't conjugate my verbs very well. So I definitely sound like a, a child when I speak, but yeah. um, but I love it and I love the culture. And, you know, I have a theory I might have been a Latin person in my past life because it's just like in my heart. It's flavorful food and colorful culture. It is flavorful and and beautiful and and warm and welcoming. But Demons is a lot of extroverts. Okay, I mean that's a lot of extroverting going on. (laughs) There's a a a great Latin community here in Pensacola, and um one of the women, uh, she's always so sweet to like invite me to things, and I'm like looking at my calendar and I'm like, dang, I got a lot of extroverted activities on there. I don't know (laughs) if I could do like a part Latin party on top of it you know like yeah, it, yeah it's a lot it's a lot the word extrovert your podcast you're the introverted extrovert mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that's how you phrase it and we go back in your story and you were signing for for you know friends at church you're se- going into people's strangers homes and uh selling mary Kay. you have a <laughs> podcast Everything that you have described up to this point in your life is the definition of an extrovert. I know. And and here you are being, you know, an introvert and doing all this. What what is is it just because of your 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 want and your need to learn? Mm. How do you get uh, because you know I'm not a little introverts and I'm an extrovert to the T. I get fueled by conversation, meeting new people. You know, I've never met a stranger. I want to meet everybody in a room. That fuels me. The, the introverts, they they get worn out from that. Have you have you been able to do everything that you've done and doing now being an introvert? Well, I don't that's a really good question. I I do wonder if the circumstances had been different if I was a recent high school graduate in the current day and age, and I could figure out how to make money and not leave my house or just play in the woods, I might have done it. But back in, I graduated in 2001 from high school, that was not, I didn't even have internet in my house until like, like my parents' house until, I don't know, 99. So like the rest of my classmates did. So it's not like a Nebraska thing for those listening. <laughs> that was just a weird hack with household thing. I don't know why we didn't have internet, but my school teachers would be like, go do this project and like, look it up on the internet. And I was like, yeah, about that. Um, we don't have that. And I can't go to the library because I have soccer practice. But, um, but when I moved out of my parents' house, I didn't have internet in my apartment, you know, mm-hmm. and I was a college student working and volunteering in the youth group and doing all the things and I didn't have internet. So, um, so it might've been different if I was, you know, in a different era, different generation, but I think it's, um, I think it's the curiosity part that drives me. And then maybe, maybe it's the little part of me. That's like a teacher, (laughs) you know, like gather around boys and girls. Let me tell you all the (laughs) seashell facts. Yeah. I like want to share what I've learned and I do genuinely enjoy the um the complexities and the nuance of people i've always have i studied health and human services in college um you know i was thinking maybe i would go into counseling or something like that because i find what makes people tick and like the randomness of people like you don't know what they're gonna say i don't know i think it's intriguing so i myself am a paradox of being both curious and an introvert and that's why i named the show 
Meredith for real, the curious introvert, because, I, you know, that's an example of like who I am. When when people think of introverts, they think of a person that sits in their pajamas at, at home and, and this and that. But from my experiences in life, especially doing a lot of networking, introverts are the best listeners because they don't they never have any they don't have anything to say, right? They're they're listening with the intent to listen. Where an extrovert is listening with the intent to reply. And that lends to how you interview and talk to your guest and you can tell it right you you can tell that you listen and you're able to pick up on nuances of, of the little little facts they're talking about something and say this one little fact and you're able to back up and dive well tell me about this and so that's one thing i've learned and one thing that you portray really well in your podcast is that listening skill now, the extroverted part is being able to ask that question to get the information out of them, and you're really good at that. Well, thank you. But I'm you. guessing, we talked about it in the green room, too, as, you know, as an introvert. In part of this podcast, initially, when I reached out to you, I said, yeah, I record like an hour and a half to two hours. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't even <laughs> talk to my friends on Zoom for an hour. I don't. <laughs> and and I was, and when you sent me that, I was cool with, you know, doing 45 minutes, but I'm thinking, who the hell talks to their friends on Zoom? Oh, I have lots of friends in other places, you know? <laughs> that's where I went to it. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a logical, that's a logical <laughs> path to follow mentally. Yeah. No, I have, um, like, uh, coming up, I'm supposed to, I have a friend in Iran. He's in Tehran, mm. so send good vibes him his way mm -hmm. um so we're supposed to connect and i've got a friend um in india and you know we're gonna connect and i've got friends in germany and you know there's a few in nebraska that i keep in touch with also and i hate talking on the phone like i hate it i feel so trapped on the phone mm -hmm. i hate 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 double <laughs> talking so on the phone. Saying you hate talking on the phone. That's I'm what saying I'm I dislike it. Yeah, <laughs> I I cannot stand it. So I'd much rather um, connect this way. You know. Well, you know, we can. It's a it's a better conversation when you can see people. Side note: My wife's father's from Iran. Really? Yes. And so uh -oh. you talking about the in my my major in in college was peace, war, and defense. So I had a lot of history classes that dealt obviously a lot with war and the Iranian that Persian culture that mm -hmm. her grandma used to come over and and cook and I spent days and days in the kitchen with her learning how to cook Persian food so you know that wow. talking about that Iranian connection and we talked about earlier about the the culture of of Hispanics that I love the Persian culture and the food is one of my favorite foods in the whole world it is my favorite food too and mm -hmm. that is so cool that you like have that in your life yeah that's mm -hmm. you're so lucky i um try to cook persian food and uh it's really technical and it's very labor intensive and it takes time like just to make kebab you gotta let those stupid onions like sit and drain because otherwise the stupid meat falls off the stupid kebab <laughs> and it drives me crazy so when i was in chicago recently i was like number one persian restaurant chicago mm -hmm. and so we went to nuna kebab in chicago y'all 10 out of 10 would recommend like i was there with um so i also 
work for a startup uh, called Simple Coat. And also I was there with my boss, or you could say I was there with my client because I'm an independent contractor. But however you shake it, we were there at the <laughs> restaurant together. And he's a foodie, thank God. And we were both like, oh, my God. I'm like, Do you taste the cardamom? I taste the cardamom. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. We were just, oh, it was so good. It was so good. Yeah. And the the culture is very high on hospitality. There's a like a, a there's so many interesting sayings that don't translate to English. Um, I can't say any of them. Um, I was but, about to say, don't tell me you can speak Farsi too. Um, I learned like one sentence of Farsi, <laughs> which I from my friend in Tehran, and I was like, hey, I'm about to. Well, so I did an episode on Iran for my podcast called "Why Should We Care About Iran." I've got and that one in the queue as well. It's good. Like, and it's not good because of me. It's good because of my guests. And he, she, um, anyway, I, I found her through my other friend. And so, uh, I asked him to help me say nice to meet you. And it was like the longest thing. <laughs> and I'm like, he's probably, he's probably messing with me. I'm probably saying like, my butt is a tomato or something stupid. And I looked up how to say nice to meet you on YouTube and it was one word. And I'm like, he's telling me I got to say this long thing. But I, I committed to learning it. And then we met in the restaurant and I gave her a big hug and I said the thing, which obviously now I forget. And she's like, oh, that's actually like the proper way to say it. And then she later told me after I paid for our lunch, she goes, you know, that that's such and such uh like the arguing about who pays for the meal or who takes the first bite, like it's a it's a thing. Mm. And I said, yeah, I know. That's why I snuck my credit card to the waiter and paid for it. <laughs> it's a thing. And so there's a there's a lot of fun things about it. And I can't wait to visit Tehran after they win the revolution. So. Yeah, Hashtag woman life freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's you know, there's a lot of a lot of places and in that area of the world that are so historically rele relevant, the history, some of the stuff that's come out of them. And it's a shame that a lot of it's been lost here recently. And, well, I say recent, recent now, and then over the last thousand years. But that, that whole culture and, and how everything, it, it's just, it's an amazing part of history. If you ever dive into, um, you know, that Persian and the, anywhere from the 800s to the 1200s so much science and math came out of those areas so oh yeah i'm a just... big fat dummy compared to i'm seriously like i am dumb and drunk compared to <laughs> every other iranian woman like they are so freaking <laughs> smart i'm yeah. like well i'm good at other things y'all so we're gonna stick with that but nice meeting you dr so-and-so like seriously the percentage of women in iran who have advanced degrees is like 70 percent mm -hmm. or something crazy like that and uh my friend that i had lunch with was like i was surprised more women in america don't pursue a doctorate degree i'm like were you though were you you know like <laughs> that's really hard <laughs> Yes, and we have a wide variety of opportunities in the U.S. Like we don't have one mm -hmm. path to success in the U.S. And I think that's um, something very cool about American culture is um, we value creativity just as much as we value uh, technological innovation or scientific research or 
where in some other, you know, countries, some other cultures, it's, it's this, you know, science and math or nothing. Like they don't value art or, or the, the pursuit of art as a career. Like, mm. you know, we definitely, it's a valid thing in the U S and I think that's really cool. So. Yeah, there's, it, it comes down to the opportunities that we have in America that others don't, as you said, I mean, it's just, uh, unless you have come from an area like that, you, you don't know. It's, it's hard to imagine living in a place like that when we live here and have you know, the freedoms that we have. Yeah. And your father-in-law would be able to speak to that, right? Because he was, he would have been in Iran in the seventies when before yep. like it was like a free place to live women could choose to wear hijab or not and you know women yep. it was like more free than really the u.s like the percentage yep. of women in universities was much higher than the u.s it's mm -hmm. like that's partially what we covered in the episode that we did was um perception because a lot of americans feel like oh haven't them they've been fighting over there forever i'm like no other that's other regions like iran is plus a high percentage of the population is only about 30 something years old so uh you know they're they're like oh no we are not and they're secular like most of them are secular they're not mm -hmm. muslim so but they're run by muslim extremists so i i've been convinced that they can win this revolution and um i will go to tehran and it will be awesome it it will that would be a great trip there's the history and the culture and the food will be second to none actually that that's my guess from what i know on what you're doing now so you have the podcast and you're also a model correct i'm a occasional model yes i'm signed with two agencies you're an accidental model right didn't somebody I just am. fuck you up one day and say hey you'd be good at this yeah it was really weird um no one had ever said that to me my whole life in Nebraska. This is the look, this, you know, like we all have this, like, I don't know what it is, like a Germanish look and, uh -huh. you know, blonde blue eyes, it's like not a big deal. And then I moved to Pensacola and there's not many natural blondes, not many people with blue eyes. And yeah, like in the span of a month, I think I had maybe 10 people come up to me and be like, have you ever modeled? And one of them was a guy at a Blue Cross Blue Shield ribbon cutting. And he was the husband at that time of the agency's owner. So his wife owned the modeling agency in town. And so I got like a, uh, I got to skip ahead to the front of the line basically and have a sit down instead of the cattle call. And uh, yeah, I had determined to say yes to more opportunities and not be so anxiety filled and fearful and like hanging out in my room on Friday night. And that was part of it. Ste again, stepping out from the introvert life to be a professional extrovert. Well, I think at the end of the day, like if you uh, if you live with death in mind, which sounds morbid, but it's actually very eye opening. No mm -hmm. one I suspect at the end of their life would go, you know, you know what I should have done more of? Mm -hmm. I should have just stayed home more and and been safer no said no one ever like uh you know so even this year i turned 40 last month and i made a top 40 list 
40 things I want to experience in my 40th year. And it looks like a bucket list, like I'm fixing to die. I'm not that I know of. <laughs> but if you lived life that way, I think you would be more happier and and fulfilled because you won't you won't have the burden of the one day. Like one day I'm gonna learn Spanish. One day I'm gonna, you know, scuba dive, whatever it is. Has doing this podcast enlightened you to live life a little more freer? Or have you always been like that? And the podcast is just part of it. I would say the podcast is just part of it, but um, it's hard to say what ingredients in your life cause you to be a certain way, right? Because, mm. I mean, do you ever, do you ever like get into what is that quantum theory and like string theory and stuff about alternate universes that are slightly different than the one we are in now? You know, I haven't dived into that rabbit hole, but as somebody who sits in a truck and drives like seven or eight hours a day, do do those kinds of thoughts come into my mind and I start thinking about it? Yes, I do. I mean, you know, yes, is that but I have never dived into listening to folks that are educated on that and kind of can dive into the weeds of it. Yeah, I haven't, I wouldn't say I've gotten into the weeds of it either, but it's something that <clears throat> it kind of, um, I orbit, you know, thought wise. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of forgot where I was going with that. Oh, so we don't really know what the, um, you know, if you had turned left instead of right, <laughs> you know, what you would have been a redhead. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, you think just... about it from a wreck. Uh, there was uh, the, uh, just today, there was a wreck in front of me on the interstate. I was a quarter mile from it. And and this happened also about five or six weeks ago. There was another wreck and I was fifty yards from it. And I think and I think back, I'm like, well, damn, you know, if I hadn't sent that text message or you know, if I hadn't stopped and got fuel or you know, I think about that when I see something like that happen. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't know what the um you know, you don't know what the outcome could be if the scenario were slightly mm -hmm. different. So it's hard to say, oh, I would erase this part of my life and amend it in this way and change it in that way. Because, I mean, you're here, so you might as well, like, just be here, be present. But I do think yeah. that uh, the podcasting thing is a part of my journey. I, I'm fairly certain it's not the end thing. I have a suspicion that I will trip over something else and go, oh, that's what's next. And so that allows me to hold things with an open hand, with an open palm, which is kind of hard to do um, for me or people like with my disposition, because I, in the past, I would hold so tightly to what I was doing and I would muscle my way through things and um, be really resistant to change and certainly criticism. And now I realize that um, the process, the joy is in the process and it's okay if this is not forever. You know, and so who knows what will be next? It's being a feather in the wind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the in I live my life kind of like that, you know, this opportunity. Oh, here's an opportunity. Let me go see where that takes me. Or here's another one. And it's just, you know, having plans and having a routine is good and all, but also kind of just being that feather in the wind where you just walk out the front door and wherever the wind takes you that day you know, enjoy it and learn mm -hmm. from it and have a good time. 
Yeah, exactly. So who knows what will be next? My my latest venture is Podcaster for Hire, which is, mm. you know, when businesses want to add a podcast to their brand, then they would potentially hire me to produce it and or be a host for it. Obviously, I can't host and produce like a ton of shows, but mm -hmm. um, so I just I host and produce one other than my my own right now. And then I'm my I'm thinking I can host and produce one other show and then maybe produce yet another show and we'll mm -hmm. see you know we'll see where that goes and then um you know maybe there's an opportunity to um broker some other host talent to brands looking for those opportunities give us an example because that's I listen to a ton of podcasts in a, in fishing and all this other stuff that I listen to and I have never really heard of that until I listened to the episode with you on uh, the business school. Give an example of what that looks like. If somebody has a podcast idea and they don't want to be a host or whatever they like, they have an idea of like, this would be great, but I could never sit in front of a microphone and do it. What would that look like? Well, it would be probably in, in the case of what I'm doing, it would be a, a person who is in a company, usually like a larger company um, who wants to expand the you know footprint of their brand. Um, and they would probably go to if I don't find them, if they don't find me, then they would probably go to a branding firm um, or like or a PR that firm. Well, the example that I like that you gave that episode was they just give it to the lady at the front desk or, you know, oh, admin assistant Lord. and tell them just to go do it. Seriously, that really <laughs> happens. I mean, that's that's how the whole idea came across is I was talking yeah. to people in Pensacola and they were like, oh, yeah, my boss, you know, told me or like they have one person in charge of all the digital stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and, and bless her heart. She has to like do a podcast and social media and the website and code and all the stuff. And um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm here to prevent that because that doesn't usually end up being a good, good for anybody, but right. so they would go to like a PR firm and, and then the PR firm would, um, you know, hire me for, they would contract me just as they would, they would hire like a camera crew to film a commercial. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one mm -hmm. way. And then if they found me directly, then um, it might look a little different. In both cases, I usually sit down with the client and uh, kind of talk about why are we doing this and then work backwards. So like, what's mm -hmm. the end goal? Why are, Why do you want a podcast? What would you like it to do for you? What would you like it to do for your brand? And then work backwards into the details like, who do you want to be the talent? What would the format be? Would it be interview? Would it be uh, live coaching calls? Um, is it banter? Is it um, positioning yourself as an expert? So you're going to do solo episodes. Is it storytelling? Like, um, is it how to, um, you know, what there's so many fun ways to podcast. And so what I love about being a podcaster for hire is I get to help people create other shows. I feel like I'm an idea vending machine sometimes. Just I'm just like, <laughs> give me a dollar. Just give me a dollar. I'll give you two A1. Yeah, A1. <laughs> just give me a good shake if I can't think of anything. It'll come. It'll come. But uh so I would love to just get paid to like have ideas and have a, you know, just Hey, just hire me to come to the table and I'll give you like five ideas on, you know, what I think might be a good move for what you're doing. And then after, you know, that, then we kind of figure out things like 
the artwork and the episode concepts and, you know, work through the content and help them with the technical part too, as of, um, you know, getting on Apple podcasts, for example, stuff like that. And it, it's a lot of fun. I really, really dig it. And it's, um, it's a fun, it's a fun way to display my talent. In fact, the, the episode, the uh, podcast that I host now just won an Addy award for, um, Ooh, yeah, cool. for, for being a show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh I got to use the soundboard. People clap in there. I love it. <laughs> That's and, better than and, the cricket sound effect. <laughs> I don't even have that on mine. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the nanana boo boo that I play on my other podcast, Bass and Bruise, all the time because my guest co host gets all up in his feelings when I pick on him. But uh, for folks that are listening that are thinking about doing a podcast, they don't want to do it. You've got somebody here with Meredith who potentially could help you produce it host it and podcasting we'll, we'll we'll start to wrap it up after this if you have any input but podcasting is still in its infancy stage when you look at youtube channels you look at blogs you look at all the other social media platforms you know some of the numbers that i've heard recently are there's four million podcasts out there but there's only about two hundred fifty thousand that have more than 10 episodes and that have posted in the last an episode in the last 30 days and so you're talking about a, there's even if you just use the four million number, that's nothing compared to, you know, YouTube or any of the other stuff out there. So podcasting is is a is you're always looking for that next social media platform to get into early and it is still podcasting. It really is. Yeah, it really. I love that, you know, all those numbers off the top of your head that like, well, Makes my little nerd heart it's so happy. <laughs> well, I, I love podcasting. I get to come on here and I get to talk to really interesting people with, with interesting backgrounds and I get to run my mouth. And I love this. I love meeting people. I, you know, that's, that's, I've never met a stranger. Podcasting gives me the avenue to be able to do that. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. a little bit selfish. You know, I started this podcast because I have all these people that I'm going to catch up with or all these folks that I'm, I'm, meeting or seeing on social media and this gives me that avenue to be able to reach out and, and get to meet them and then on the other side get to share their story mm -hmm. and maybe their story can help somebody else or what they do can help somebody else or vice versa it's it's tough especially if that's the first mm -hmm. time they're telling their story um if the story is buried if the story is traumatic one of my early episodes was with my husband's cousin who was in prison for 11 years I love that episode. That was great. <laughs> Both of them. It's a two-part series, and it was wonderful. Wow, you really did dive into my episodes. I'm so flattered. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and it was the first time he ever told his story, mm -hmm. and it was, um, it was really like a bonding moment for us because we're very different people. Um, him and my husband are like brothers, but they are they are also very different people. But I felt so honored to capture that for him because the beautiful thing about you know even you as a podcast host you know when you are gone your kids will be able to listen to these episodes and be like yeah that was my dad you know like <laughs> it's it's captured in a way that photos don't capture and um you know and, and you never know who it will inspire um and so it, it becomes a special thing if you can facilitate someone telling their story especially for the first time yeah there's 
everyone's story and journey is is their own there you know other people's might rhyme with it but folks that have have overcome darkness and stuff like that there's other people going through it that can hopefully pick up something that helps them overcome that or or if somebody picks up something that helps them jump over that hurdle to be successful where they hadn't been able to so you know that's what i love about podcasts like yours and jordan harbinger's show and those oh that's my favorite yeah yes my favorite podcast right now i've been the explorers podcast if you like history is a really good one too the but you know those podcasts those journeys and those stories people can latch on to and follow and you know it resonates with a lot of people so well look i know you got a role i appreciate your time so much this was a great time it was awesome to hear your journey uh we'll we'll post all your links down in the show notes for this but you know tell us where you're most active and where your podcast and where people can find you on that I'm most active on Instagram, um, Instagram and my, uh, podcast Facebook page. And I'm Meredith for real on both places on Facebook, Meredith for real. The curious introvert is the full Facebook page name. And I have links that are easily found in both places for whatever platform you prefer to consume your podcasts on, even if it's YouTube. Well, I appreciate it. Look, y'all go subscribe to Meredith for Real Podcast. Be a curiositor like me and all of her other followers. And you're going to learn something, some really fun episodes on there. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And um, maybe we'll have to do this again in the future and dive into to some of the the culture stuff at some point. I'd like That'd to do that, fun. but thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. You got what it leave us and the listeners with one little quick piece of advice that you live your life by. Hmm. Lead with curiosity. It hmm. sounds overly simple, but if you approach people and things and subjects that you don't agree with and that are different from you, like you're an anthropologist you'll have much better outcomes than when you go into a conversation or a place or subject matter looking to convert everyone to your right point of view. So if you lead with curiosity, then it really unlocks the, you know, authentic place that that person's coming from, even if at the end you still don't see eye to eye. There we go. Folks, this is entertainingly Educational. Thank you for listening. Leave with curiosity. Hootie hoo!